It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Atlanta Hawks. Kaysen Wallace does not look like a rookie. In fact, he rose to the occasion after another tough defensive matchup. How good can this Thunder defense be with all of the moving parts? And what went right for OKC in this one? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Email the show, Thunderpod at gmail.com. Become part of the Locked On Thunder insiders by going to subtext.com slash Thunder. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder beating down the Atlanta Hawks. The Thunder have to learn to play with the lead, but they were able to flip the switch tonight. Cason Wallace looks special. New Dork continues to thrive in this new role. And this Thunder defense is starting to put together just how successful they can be. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets after winning a $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit Vandor.com slash locked on to get started. In this game, the Thunder had no Kenny Hustle, no Keontae Johnson, no Olivier Saar. Uh, elected not to play Bertans, Man, Michich, Poku, and Lindy Waters. So they, they had their starting five back. SGA was reinserted into the lineup. And, you know, th- th- there's never a, a good time to get hurt, but SGA got hurt last Wednesday against the Pelicans. Thursday was a scheduled off day. He missed Friday's game. And then for the first time all year, they had back-to-back off days over the weekend. So you, you trade four days of rest for Shea for one game. Uh, that's a pretty good trade-off for OKC. And he was able to play his normal rotation. And he played really well. Like He, he got back to what you're used to seeing from him uh, in this game. The free throws still have not gone his way yet. I wonder how much of that is the officials having a point of emphasis on limiting what they call for Shea because of their narrative around Shea's game. Like that stuff matters. They, they have meetings before every game and talk about, you know, what, what players like to do and how players get to the line and how players play and, and, and the narratives that are out there. And so typically you'll see uh, uh, every season, there's a few that guys that typically get to the free throw lines, free throw line a lot that start out getting a tighter whistle. And then as the season progresses, uh, those, those emphasis wear off and it kind of all levels out back to normal. But for right now, it has to be incredibly frustrating uh, to, to be playing the same way and being officiated differently. But still, even through that, he found a way to, to look like he did last year, even without a high free throw number. We'll talk about his game coming up. The biggest thing from, from this game against Atlanta is that the young Thunder team has to figure out how to play with a lead. Now, 
it is far easier to play from behind. It's why the Thunder made their money doing that a year ago, where, where they were able to just play kind of loose and and while you're playing loose and you're kind of scrapping it back in the game, on the opposite side, the other team who has the big lead, they're playing loose in the wrong direction, right? They've kind of taken the foot off the gas uh, is the common phrase that you hear. So it was another 20-point lead that was dwindled down into single digits after blowing the game against the Pelicans where you're up by 22 points versus the Pelicans. Uh, in the Pelicans game, they were not able to flip the switch back on. In this game, they were. And I think that it just shows that you are watching this team progressively get better, progressively build. These were two similar games where you know it's it's a home game against a, a good good team. Pelicans, of course, better than the Hawks, but uh, where you build this big lead right out of the gate, how do you sustain it? And so, for the most part, the Thunder were able to keep them at around a, a 10, seven point deficit. The Hawks did make a did make a run to make it a two possession game, uh, and then the Thunder we're able to have a sequence like, and, and, and every team, if you, if you watch the NBA, you're, you're going to know that like even the best of the best teams build huge leads, see it dwindle, build them back up. It's a game of runs. It's like an accordion being played on the, uh, on the, on the game chart of, of the win expectancy chart. Uh, I, I think that it's hard to maintain that tempo, that urgency that the thunder play with. And that's what they're best at doing. Whenever you have a big lead, they're best at getting out in transition. They're best at getting out and running. It's hard to do that whenever, you, whenever you've already accumulated a 20-point lead. Getting over that mental hurdle will be the, the, the next step for this young core. But the fact that in a week's time, you saw them not be able to turn it back on against the Pelicans until it was far too little, far too late. And then you saw them able to buckle down against the Hawks and, and get this game uh, with a nice cushion at the end. I think it's showing you the progress and, it, and it's kind of visualizing what we've talked about all year long, where this season is still about development, but not in the way that you've been preached about development in the past. Like this game, this year is still about learning and growing as the Thunder organization, but winning is still at the focal point of it. It's just to get to the winning end of these games, you have to watch this team go through the the trial and tribulation and find out what works for them and find out how to get there. And so they they couldn't get there versus the Pelicans. They're able to address it and fix it against the Hawks. And so now you welcome in you know the the, the Cavs and we'll see what you do on Wednesday against the Cavs uh, to conclude this homestand. But uh, end of the day, this was a really good example of just surviving and advancing. And, and it is hard to play with a lead in the NBA, no matter how good you are. No matter how you know veteran laden that you are, it is hard to play with the lead uh, than versus playing from behind. But nonetheless, they were able to get it together when it mattered the most. Casey Wallace was awesome. Like this is a rookie who just turned twenty years old today, and he's been asked to guard Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Trey Young in the last two games. And Mark reiterated that the Thunder trust Casey Wallace in these matchups and in these moments. And like they believe he can do this, even as a 19, now 20 year old. And, and Casey Wallace's mentality of loving and embracing these challenges, I think, is what sets him apart from other players. He's an advanced defender. Uh, he covers a lot of ground defensively, so it's, it's hard to shake him. He was able to show you that recovery speed against Trey Young, especially. You know how slithery Trey Young is to get to the rim and, and shoot those floaters. And you know how slither he is uh, to blow by guys. But also, you understand how good he is at taking those step backs. And Kaysen defended all those things very well. The one time that, that Trey beat him was with the help of a screen where, where uh, Kaysen couldn't get through the screen, which he's typically very, very good at. And Trey got downhill, and then it kind of threw the defense out of whack, so to say. So, like, ultimately, K 
Casey did a really good job defending Trey Young, and, and that's hard to do. And, it, and it's hard to do the way Kaysen did it, right? It wasn't as though he had a lot of good possessions, but also a lot of fouls. He had one foul in this game uh, while defending a player who, we can be honest, is, is reliant heavily on, on foul baiting, if you want to call it that, just being savvy with how to uh, move his body to pick up fouls. Like he's really good at drawing fouls, and that is a skill in the NBA, if you, no matter if you like it or not. But to have a rookie not fall for a lot of that stuff, uh, I, I think was encouraging to see and just kind of a testament to how you know, long-term this is. This is just the baseline for what Casey Wallace says. And, uh, you know, you can talk about this coaching staff. If there's one thing that I trust this organization to do, it's to breed elite defenders. And so with this baseline, Casey Wallace is going to be an elite defender. Like, like if this is his starting point and you're going to put him with David Akinyoya, you're going to put him with Mark Dagnall, you're going to put him, you know, around these guys. Like he's going to be an elite defender in, in the NBA. There's just no doubt about it for me because if this is the starting point, I trust those guys to shape the future. And his anticipatory skills are so good. Him playing the passing lanes is awesome because it's not necessarily a gamble. Like anytime you try to jump the lane, you are theoretically gambling because you might be so far to position that you can't recover. But it goes back to how how lengthy his strides are to get back into position to recover if he doesn't get the deflection. But more often than not, he's able to, at minimum, disrupt the pass, at maximum, get the steal and head the other way. And, and so I think that his his ability to time when to hunt that steal and, and when to just stay home is something that, again, is beyond what a rookie typically is capable of. Typically, a rookie, you know, you see a pass coming your way, you get these wide eyes, you want to go make a play so bad, you want to turn defense into offense, especially with the messaging being preached to this Thunder team of how they want to play basketball. You want to be a part of that. And you can just get overzealous with trying to go get that. Casey Wallace is a good job of like picking his spots and, and, and it works to his benefit and did in this one. And then when he gets out in transition, not only is he always filling the lanes correctly and understanding when he needs to dive for the rim, when he needs to pop out to the corner to be a safety net for, for the driver, he understands the positioning and transition, but his leaping ability, he's not going to go win a dunk contest in Indianapolis this, this winter, but his leaping ability is still really good. It's not going to be showy Vince Carter dunks, but if you watch him, the spring that he has to quickly accelerate into the air and throw down a dunk in transition with a hard contest coming, it's going to be nearly impossible to stop him in the open court because he can get to the rim so quickly off the ground. And so there were a lot of tough closeouts on these transition buckets. Like it was not as though the Hawks watched him get a steal or get an outlet pass and just gave up. Like a lot of the times the Hawks were hunting him down and he was just able to beat you to the spot and beat you to the rim. I think that's a testament to him. He was the recipient, of course, of the behind-the-back pass from Chet Holmgren, uh, and he did not expect that to be the behind-the-back pass from Chet. He admitted that post-game, but he knew Chet was going to do something special because Chet was kind of eyeing him on that possession. But ultimately, him and Lou Dort did a great job on Trey Young. Uh, he did a great job this whole season at fighting over screens. I think that uh, as the rapport comes together with him in this roster, there are times where – the big men are anticipating that he's not going to be able to go over the screen. And so they are, they are hedging too hard. They're playing too hard up uh, on the guard whenever in reality, they can drop a little bit because Kaysen's going to get over that screen. And so I think that Kaysen is so good at it that it's kind of throwing off a little bit of the, of the defense, just a tad at times to where, as you get more comfortable with the tendencies of your teammates, we're only six games, seven games into this season. Like as you get more aware of what these guys are good at versus not, 
and, and you can you can alter your game off of it, it's going to make this defense be really good. And we haven't even seen Kendrick Williams play yet, who is an awesome defender for OKC. So you have this combination of Lou Dort, Kaysen Wallace, Kendrick Williams, and then you're funneling all of that into Chet Holmgren. You have a superstar in SGA who is a positive asset defensively. Not many superstars can say that in the NBA, that, that averaged 30 points a night. So uh, I, I think that Kaysen just has an, a, a perfect element, and, and you're seeing right now how he plays Thunder basketball. And it ties into what I was preaching at the draft of it doesn't matter how many guards you have. This Thunder roster still has a lot of guys with the column that say G. They don't have a lot of guys in that column that are better than Casey Wallace on day seven of his NBA career. And so you just take that guy in the top 10. That's who you take. You, know, you don't draft for a position. You don't draft for uh, anything else. You, you, don't, you don't draft to protect someone else. You draft who you think the best player is. And I think that they got this right in, in Casey Wallace. And so he was awesome. But so was his mentor in Lou Dort, who is finding his role in the NBA and is carving out what we've been craving from Lou Dort for a very long time. But first, I want to say right now, but good friends over at FanDuel, folks. FanDuel is great. You're going to want to check them out today. It's the perfect time for FanDuel to me because when you go there, there's so many options. So go there right now to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. What you got to do is, if you're a new customer, put down a $5 money line bet. And the money line is just who you think is going to win. And so you can bet on the largest favorite on the board. As long as you win it, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets. I tell you, a, a sneaky way to take advantage of this is college basketball. Now, hopefully you didn't do this with, with Michigan State, but ultimately picking a, a favorite versus uh, the, the children of St. Mary's, you, you're going to be able to, to get a win uh, on the board for FanDuel on the money line bet. So you can also bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Why I love FanDuel is right now it's so entertaining because not only can you load up college basketball, which just got started, it's still NFL season. It's still college football season. It's, of course, NHL and NBA season, so we can already get a little preview action of what's going to happen with this game against the Cavaliers on Wednesday. The Thunder are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home versus the Cavs, uh, so you can go check that out on FanDuel as well. So it's a great time to get started at FanDuel. Check them out today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm slash Locked On. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Every single morning, every single day, we're here for you. Talking Thunder Basketball. On Wednesday's show, we're doing a mailbag podcast. So drop your questions below on YouTube. Drop your questions on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. We're going to talk the Bali situation in the first segment, but after that, it's your show. We're going to take your questions about the Thunder to this point in the season. And then on Wednesday, after the Cavs game, we're going to be right back here recapping it all on Locked On Thunder. And again, if you are uh, you know driving around, you might be busy during the winter season, holiday season, during uh, these games, check it out today on SiriusXM. So you can just go to the SiriusXM app and search uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. You can catch all the games uh, whenever the whenever the Thunder and Cavs play, for example, tonight uh, at 7 o'clock Central Time. Just search Thunder on the SiriusXM app, 
and boom, you can you can listen to the game with Matt Pinto and crew, and you can also listen to Lockdown Thunder there as well. Uh, but we are free and available anywhere you get your podcast from. So let's dive into Lou Dort. Lou Dort is finding his role, and this is something that I preached about on Monday's show. But I asked Mark about it before the game on Monday, and Mark said that he uh, loves the role that Lou Dort is playing, and that it's a more mature role. And I think that's a perfect example of what's happening. I get it that it got tiring hearing me specifically talk about like what Ludort could be with this team uh, coming up this year, last year, whenever he was not having a successful stretch of basketball on the offensive end of the floor. But I think now that we're seeing in a small sample size, he's got to continue to do this. Like we cannot just sit here and wave the white flag and say that it's over. But if he can continue to do this, this is why you view Ludort the way the Thunder do. It's like a, it's like a fifth starter and like a, it's like a part of this and why they paid him. Uh, what they did and why, you know, while fans are kind of eager to, to kind of push him out and bring Kaysen in and make a big trade, why the Thunder very much value Lou Dort is because you're seeing what he can be. He's gotten so much better at his shot selection of like, it's either the rim or it's shooting threes. It's perfect for modern basketball. But even beyond shot selection, it is the pure confidence and the decision-making. It's a confident decision-maker for Lou Dort this year, whereas before, he had the confidence. And no offense to Lou Dort before, but he did not have the decision-making. Like He would take wild heat checks. He would take wild shots. He would drive into three, four guys, sometimes five, and uh, he wouldn't be getting a burger, folks. He'd be getting blocked at the rim. So in this case, you're seeing him not only take better shots just like on the shot chart of like where they are pinned on the floor, but better decision-making of – Last night, he's driving and he's under control. He's not driving just for the sake of driving into the rim because he thinks that that's what he should do. He's under control, so he's able to have this beautiful dump-off pass to Josh Giddy, who is wide open in the lane. He did miss the shot, so it doesn't go down as like a hallmark play for Dort. But that is a, that is a highlight of the decision-making from Lou Dort that last year would have either ended in an ill-advised shot at the rim or a turnover because he was so wild, because he was so out of control. And that body control and that sense of, 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 you know, you can call it confidence, but more so uh, kind of this decision, like decisiveness of, of knowing what he wants to do allows him to also absorb contact and finish through contact. So you're seeing him get to the line more this year than what you're used to. And he was always built like this. He was always built like a player who should finish through contact and really make opponents pay at the rim. But he just never did until now, and it's getting better and better as each game goes by. And I think that even though statistically it's not some wild, huge jump, it's the jump of the eye test that is that is so encouraging for Lou Dort. And that corner three is working. I, I said it all last year. He has never shot below 40% on corner threes since his rookie season, and that's continued in a big way this season. And you're seeing because he looks more efficient offensively, it feels like fans are able to enjoy more what he's doing defensively. And he's able to help you turn offense into defense, whether it be deflections and steals, but also like he blocks Trey Young's jumper uh, and it goes to Shea and Shea throws the lob to J-Dub and it's just the exclamation point. It's the party. It is the victory cigar of this game. I, 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 I think that Lou Dort is going to continue to improve his reputation among a fan base with his efficient play. Because he's an incredible defender. And, and, and if he can be an efficient offensive player, that's all he was missing. In this game, he shot 40% from three. He shot 60% from the floor. 19 points, nine rebounds, three assists, two blocks. This is what you want Lou Dort to be. And, and I think up until now, 
he had been the only player that was willing to be overly aggressive and hunt his own shot and, 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 and try to go get his. And that's just not the kind of team that this is anymore. Uh, it's better for him and the team to play this way. For, for, you know, even forgetting about the big picture stuff, even if you still believe that what Ludor is can be upgraded for the Thunder, this is how you make him upgradable still. He's playing his best basketball right now. His best basketball is not what they were doing before when, when trying as a playmaker. His best basketball is this really efficient shooter who plays good defense. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win whether you see him in the long-term picture or whether you see him as increasing his value elsewhere. No matter what happens, this is great for the Thunder short-term, great for the Thunder long-term, and great for Lou Dort in both ways as well. So it's awesome to see him embrace this role. And I, I think that Mark has harped on, you know, harped on this a lot of like, Lou Dort does not get talked about as a young player, but he is. It's it's as though we're kind of sick of Lou Dort because we've seen Lou Dort the most. Like we've seen him and Shea the most. And so we treat them as though they're, they're these fossils. When in reality, they're still uh, heading into their prime and heading into what they're going to be as a player. So he did change this year. He has improved this year. Now he's done it for seven games. Got to do it for the full season. Got to, got to prove that this is who he is. And I think it is because the reason I'm so confident in saying that is because we've seen it in different environments. We've seen him play that same effective reduced role, even while Shea's not playing a single minute. We've seen him play that same reduced role, even while Josh Giddy and J-Dub both had terrible offensive games in Cleveland. He was still able to reserve himself on the offensive end. And I love the number line analogy that, that, that Mark used last year of there are some players who are just going to play within the flow of the offense and not do too much. And, and, and at times you want them to do more, but they're not going to. And there's players who are going to do too much. And you want to push every player toward the middle or as close to the middle as you can get. And so I, I think that Ludor is getting closer to the middle and is getting closer to what he what the Thunder want him to be as a sufficient weapon for their offense and for their team. And so it's great to see for Ludor. It, it, you know, could not be happier just for him because he's playing really good basketball. And I would say the best basketball he's ever played. Uh, right now for OKC. Chet Holmgren is just an absolute different threat for the Thunder. It, it is something that the Thunder have not had in a long time. And even in this game where you know, he had been wildly efficient as a player this season, he was not efficient shooting the ball this game, but he was still able to bend the defense and, and force them into compromised positions because you have to respect him. You have to close out so hard on him, and he has the dribbling ability to make you pay for hard closeouts. And whenever you look at what he did late in this game, grabbing that offensive rebound and turning it into an and one that to help salt, salt the game away. That is something that the Thunder just hadn't had the last few years. And, and I, I hope the Thunder use him more. And my version of using him more might not be in line with what you're thinking, I guess of like, yes, he should get more shots just in general, like just pure raw shots. But I, I'd be curious, like whenever these, whenever the, Shot clock does dwindle down because it's going to happen sometimes. So you saw last night where it was it was Shea step backs, even even Wiggins hit a step back, which was awesome. But like every time that he's gotten the opportunity to be kind of a safety valve for, for the Thunder late in the shot clock, where you just kind of throw it to him and there's there's nothing more he can do than just turn around and throw it up. As at seven feet tall around the rim with his shooting touch, it's going to work more often than not. So he can really be a nice weapon for you uh, in that way uh, as the season goes on. But I asked him before in, in the in the Tulsa game, the Tulsa preseason game against Detroit, of like, you know, you keep your blocks and bounds almost all the time. Like, like, is that like a skill? Is that luck? And he admitted it's a little bit of both, a little bit of luck, but also like it, there's intention of, to to try to keep him in bounds. And he's been doing that this year. Like his block numbers 
are not only eye-popping, but they're not empty blocks. And, and so with how good the NBA is and how many good players there are, how many good scores there are, if you send a shot into the fifth row, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, depending on how much time is on the shot clock. Now, if there's a three-tenths of a second on the shot clock, yeah, okay, you, you did in their possession. But if you send it into the fifth row and there's still five seconds left, with as, with as creative as coaches are and as good as players are, a, a baseline out of bounds play with five seconds on the shot clock is not a death sentence. But keeping it in bounds and having your guys go get it and go, and go run the other way is a huge advantage uh, and turning those blocks into huge advantages for OKC. And then the pin block off the glass was just fun to see. He had 16 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, a steal, and three blocks in this one. Chut Holmgren was just awesome tonight. Now, we mentioned at the top of the show, SGA is kind of figuring out how to kind of play like his old self without getting the free throw calls. I also want to talk about Josh Giddy, who I, I think that the numbers are not going to bear out the, the changes he made in, to, to his game in this game against the Hawks. We'll talk about that coming up as well. But first, I want to tell you right now, about our good friends over at Jace, Jace Medical. Check them out today, jacemedical.com. It is offering you the customizable Jace case for dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. So what Jace case is, is like, it is, they're going to send you this case of these great antibiotics that can help you in a pinch if you're not able to get to, um, you know, your, your, your antibiotics and your ability to, to protect yourself. So Jace case is uh, continually working to expand their medication offerings in recent efforts, they've they've even added uh, a lot of a lot of different uh, medications that you can go check out. So check it out today at jacemedical.com. Use code locked on NBA. I'm sorry, locked on at checkout for twenty dollars off of your order. That's promo code locked on at Jace Medical. Locked on at Jace Medical. J A S E Medical.com. And so you want to go check them out today because they can get you these uh, Jace Medical emergency uh, kits, and they can have these five essential antibiotics to treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections to help you out in case of emergency, in case of need. And it can really help you just have peace of mind that you have what you need on hand in the case of an emergency. So check it out today at Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on for $20 off of your order. Check them out today at Jace Medical. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. All right, folks. Josh Kitty. Look, I, I get it. It's been a rough season, especially statistically for Josh Giddy, and he's admitted that you know it's been a, a rough start for him. He's admitted that uh, he has to start getting it going besides just the fourth quarter. I don't even want to talk about the stat sheet in this one. Admittedly, the stat sheet was not good. Four turnovers, 30% from the floor with no threes. Like If you're not going to shoot threes and you're going to shoot 30% from the floor, that's not, that's not a recipe for success. He only had four assists in this game to four turnovers. Seven boards was good for him. Eight points. I think that this game, and this is me 
you know, theorizing, but I think that this game was a snowball effect for Josh Kitty. It was a, it didn't go right from the jump. He got frustrated. He got the technical foul. Uh, Lou Dort threw a pass off his back. Like for that to happen, I don't even put that on Lou Dort necessarily. I think that like Josh Giddy was just, just so like, whether you want to call it flustered or, or, or razzled or whatever you want to use for, for him being uh, kind of out of it because things were not going his way. I think that that's kind of the miscue there. Cause like, that's how the Thunder play. They, they're going to push the pace and, and Josh knows that Josh knows like, Hey, you're going to get the pass from Ludor. So what, what I think you can take away from this game is that it's a bad shooting night in the worst possible timing. We talked about how, how she had a, had a great timing on hyper extending his knee. You could not have picked a worse time to have a game like this from Josh Giddy because in the midst of this slow start to the season, it looks on paper as though this was a continuation of this bad stretch of basketball. But in reality, I thought the process in this game versus the Hawks was the best process Josh has had all season long. Uh, he, he, he very seldomly went to the floater. He very seldomly shied away. He attacked the rim extremely hard. He didn't get foul calls. He didn't convert. That was his two biggest issues. And there were moments and stretches where he checked himself out of games. He was still on the court, but checked himself out of games because things were not going his way. I think uh, just from like just from watching. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm just hyper analyzing this, but I think that the process was there. The results weren't. And when you're watching this team, and and I get it, the excitement is so back, and and I see it. I see it around Oklahoma City. I see it with with my own family of people being excited about Thunder basketball again. And so we want to we want to just dive head in, but we have to realize big picture. This is seven games, and and big picture, some guys are just slow starters. And Josh, I think we're going to find is just a slow starter. He started slow last year. He's starting slow this year. I don't think that he magically forgot how to play from from that from that faithful night in New Orleans where he looked like a, a budding rising star against New Orleans in a, in a elimination game to today against the Hawks in November, I don't think he forgot how to play basketball. I don't think he forgot what he was doing. There's just something about it that's just off right now. And, and I've got to trust that he'll break through because he showed he can do it last year. Now, eventually that's got to actually happen. But for right now, I am interested to see these next couple of games. I know it's a lot to ask, folks. I want to see Josh Giddy get through this road trip because I really believe that when you watch that game back and, and you, and you just see what he was attempting to do, there was well-intentioned plays from Josh Giddy. They just didn't work out. And eventually they've got to work out. And they did last year after a slow start, but I know that it's frustrating right now. Uh, SGA was able to work out a 30 uh, point game eight rebounds, six assists, a, a steal, two turnovers. He shot 55% from the floor. He shot 43% from three on seven attempts in this one. And I think that you saw a you saw a great game that embodies what Shea is. And Shea is just this counter fighter. He can set you up and then just counter whatever you choose to, to try to utilize against him. So for example, in this game, he starts the game out as this table-setting point guard who's setting up his teammates. And then you saw as you're watching that the Hawks are, are now kind of dispersing themselves naturally 
to try to take away his drive and kick options. And as soon as the Hawks did that, SGA goes full head of steam downhill at the rim. And so with SGA, the beauty of his game, especially as he starts to incorporate and and hit some three-point shots, is that there is no limiting him. He's a bona fide superstar. If you try to limit his passing, he's going to get downhill. If you try to limit him getting downhill, he'll stop on a dime and pop that elbow mid-range shot. If you try to press up on him, he's going to create space with his ability to be herky-jerky getting to the rim, but also his ability to hit step backs. If, if you, of course, try to play off of him, he's just going to pop a shot, and, and, and we're seeing him be more comfortable shooting threes and hitting threes more often. So if you give him too much attention, then he'll go back to top, of, top section A of kicking out to his teammates. And he finally has a roster of guys who, if he's kicking out to Casey Wallace, if he's kicking out to Isaiah Joe, if he's kicking out to Chet Holmgren, if he's kicking out to J-Dub, you feel very confident. If he's kicking out to Lou Dort this year, you feel very confident. So he's finally got this roster of guys who you have to respect. And it's elevated Shea's game because he's elevated his playmaking, which, which goes back to FIBA, where we noticed that his passing was much improved. It was improved last year, but even more improved this summer. And now you're reaping the rewards of it at the perfect time because you're able to actually threaten the defense with his playmaking. He could have improved his playmaking all he wanted to a couple of years ago. You just didn't have the options to, to make defenses respect your playmaking. They were willing to live with wide open Gabriel deck shots. Didn't matter, right? So uh, I, I think that this year it's a combination of both for him uh, to, to improving his game of like his team improving, but also he got better as a, uh, as a passer and a playmaker as well. He shot six times at the free throw line, a little inflated, uh, a little Mickey Mouse free throws there because the, some of them were intentional fouls. Uh, but he was awesome defensively, awesome in the defense, defensive glass as well. And you saw last year, he was an excellent defender, according to Synergy. He really made an impact on the end of the floor. It should not be a surprise to anybody that he is a plus defender. And it just continues to grow why I think that we're going to look at this defense here in April and say that they're one of the 10 best defenses in the NBA. I really believe that because you have all these guys who can do it. And one of those guys that can do it is J-Dub. And J-Dub caught a couple of lob passes. He threw down that outlet pass in transition, sticking his tongue out, going into timeout. Not only was he efficient, it's like a 21 points, three rebounds, two assists, one block night on 61% shooting from the floor. But he's the, like, energy guys typically are not 21 point a game guys that can do this night in and night out. They're not typically those kind of players. Jalen Williams can get you 20 plus points and he can also provide a huge spark with, with the way he scores to, to ignite the crowd with what he's willing to do for his teammates on the defensive end to, to ignite his teammates. And I, I just think that J-Dub is, is going to go under the radar for a little bit. It's kind of like with Josh Giddy, with Josh Giddy last year. Like, like in year two, Josh Giddy was incredible after the first 10 games of the year. Post first 10 games of the year, he was awesome. But look at J-Dub over here. Look at J-Will stepping up. Look at look at Isaiah Joe. Like you, you had all these new guys that you were – kind of mesmerized by, I think there's a, a, a teeny wince of that, of, of like, look at Chet, look at Casey, look at all these guys, where it's like, J-Dub is not only like still doing what he was doing last year and still being efficient in a new role, but it's like incredibly good and incredibly fun to watch. Uh, speaking of the bench, Isaiah Joe was huge. Four threes and three assists, plus good defense to be able to stay on the floor. Uh, Usman Jang had another game like Josh Giddy where – I loved him being confident in his shot and taking high quality shots and not shying away from the action, but they didn't, they didn't go in. And so some nights they're just not going to go in. 
but it, the process for Us was there. He is questionable with a wrist injury again on the injury report. We'll talk to Mark tomorrow to figure out more about that. Uh, Aaron Wiggins only played seven minutes, but was awesome in those seven minutes. Play him more, please. And then just as a last wrinkle on the bench, as these games start to heighten in importance and they start to heighten in, eventually you're going to play games where it's like possession by possession by possession down the stretch. And Mark loves to do offense, defense at each dead ball. To, to be able to parlay offense, defense from Isaiah Joe to Cason Wallace is so awesome. And I, I think that it's great for what this team can do because if you do, like, like the, the risk in offense, defense sometimes is like, what if you put your offensive guy in there and then there's not another dead ball to get your defensive guy in there? But but if that happens and like you're quote unquote stuck with Isaiah Joe or stuck with Casey Wallace, they are they are very good at their respective skills. Like Isaiah Joe's an incredible sharpshooter, Casey's a great defender, but they're not obsolete on the other end. So there's no danger there in, in rotating those guys in and out based upon matchup, based upon uh, you know the situation that dictates and, and where you're playing on the floor. So it was great to see. Uh, Slob Wizard on Twitter says that Shea and Chet are MVPs of this game. Uh, Co-MVPs, I'll agree. Uh, big takeaway from Andrew was uh, Casey has a lot of promise. I agree with that as well. Big takeaway from Ismail was J-Dub looks more and more like a future star. Casey is making Presti look like a draft genius. Agree and agree. Uh, great job so far on the takeaways, fellas. Uh, and, and people alike. Uh, fan in season says, I don't know what Fanon is, but Fanon season is here. Maybe it's like a football player or something. Says game MVP is Lou Dort. Dort deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Chase says that Dort's growth is beautiful. Chet uh, is him. Shea top five in the league. J-Dub found his rhythm. Uh, and Giddy has been peeing him oh. Uh, you know, I understand. Uh, it's been it's been a bad year for Josh Giddy so far, but I would just continue to kind of watch him give him a little bit more time uh, than what we're seeing right here. Uh Humbleman85 says, I love this team, and I saw that they really need to clean up the turnovers and cheap fouls. Um, I, I agree. The turnovers have been an issue all year long. Now, some of that is just their play style of if you're going to play fast, you're going to turn the ball over. But some of it is just like, all right, we've got to clean this up early season, lacking chemistry uh, type of stuff. Uh, sports card collector says, Kaysen needs to start. I, I would presume that right now you'd put him in over Giddy on the, on the starting five. Uh, I don't think that the Thunder are going to change anything about the starting lineup. I think that this is the starting five that they're going to roll with throughout this season. But one thing is assured that Mark is going to change the rotations up uh, each pretty much game to game. Uh, but but especially as we get larger sample sizes, I'm curious to see what the rotations look like in the coming weeks as you tinker maybe with like, hey, those are the starting five, but there might be a, might be a quick little uh, substitution here and there to kind of put – uh, more advantageous lineups on the floor and kind of put pieces together that might fit better in general. But the starting five, to their credit, got off to a really good start against Atlanta. Uh, they actually kind of let go of the rope a little bit whenever they didn't have their full five on the court out of the shoot. So uh, to their credit, Josh Goody at Shootaround said that they were uh, having meetings, like talking about, hey, we got to start faster. And they did do that against Atlanta. Uh, it's sustaining it for 48 minutes, which is tough. And, and, and especially for a young team, this is still – second youngest team in the NBA still. And like you have all these hopes and aspirations and expectations for them and what they're going to be. So I'd say give them just a little bit more time and we'll continue to talk about them every single day here on Lockdown Thunder. So subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. And until tomorrow, as we do your mailbag questions and talk about body sports, and then we're going to recap the Cavs game on Thursday and then Friday, 
We're going to talk in the season tournament, how we like it so far after one game, and then kind of preview that, that pivotal game in Sacramento and the road trip. So a busy week here on Locked on Thunder Saturday. We're, of course, going to recap that Kings game and just continue rolling on here on Locked on Thunder. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all who support the show. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.